You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. District 5 voters will decide who they want to represent them at the Board of Supervisors this November. The district includes the Inner Sunset, Haight-Ashbury, the Fillmore and Western Edition, Japantown, and Lower Pacific Heights. Joining us today is Ryan Lamb, a candidate for the District 5 race. Ryan, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So you've been a political journalist, a chemistry and math tutor for high school students. You've owned a local business. Can you tell me a little bit more about the kind of reporting you did, your work as a tutor, and the business that you ran or run currently? Oh, sure. I'm actually very surprised you were able to get that information that I was a math and chemistry tutor. Yeah, so um, throughout, I started out, um, my first job was actually being a tutor first. Um, I did tutor chemistry and math. Uh, to high school students who are trying to achieve, um, reach higher education. So that was pretty simple, but um, uh, I got into more advanced math um, while I was tutoring like Algebra 2 and and, uh, chemistry, AP chemistry to high school students here. And um, then I I obviously applied to many political jobs because that was my passion, and I got a, a journalist spot for a Chicago news newsletter news organization that writes about uh about politics in the united states uh, one of my f- most famous um essays was about the death of george hw bush and that got that got published so um the um i'm not writing right now because i'm obviously campaigning i moved on to starting my local business i started out working in my own home and um it was a, like a technology affiliate marketing business I started earning money to sustain sustain myself. It wasn't really much about politics, but I just want to learn more about the economy and investing. And so that's that's just me on a personal level, um, just working. That was my experience before this. So what do you do now? What I do, I campaign. <laughs> that's your full time job. No, I I do t- take political science classes at City College. So I, I mean, I, I love City College. It's uh, really great for students in San Francisco. Tell me a little bit about where you live. What part of the district are you in, and do you rent or own? Oh, I, I rent. I'm, I think I'm the one of the only people that, that rent. Um, or I mean, one of the only candidates that rent, not the only people. And I live on Turk Street, so that's a little bit uh, uh, west of Van Ness, near the Western Edition, Turk and Goff. You write that you're an immigrant. Where from, and what brought you to the U.S., and how has that shaped your politics? Oh, yeah, um... I'm from Hong Kong. I was born in Hong Kong. We came here because we were fleeing the bird flu, which was um, from chickens. My mom was a U.S. citizen, and we all came, and we're lucky enough to find a place in, in the Bay Area and begin our lives again. You also write that you're a Muslim and a Republican. What has your experience been like as a young immigrant Muslim in the Republican Party? Being an immigrant, first of all, is... It's a challenge for many people. I was lucky enough to have my family take care of me through the process of immigration really early on, like in 2003, and I was really young. Um, I was able to be educated in San Francisco, and I received a great education, including City College. So that's the the immigrant part. I I um, I connect with a lot of immigrants because I speak three languages. I, I'm able to relate, and I think I'm the only immigrant and uh, candidate. Um, when it comes to being a Republican, I worked with SFGOP, which is the San Francisco Republican, Republican Central Committee. I was there yesterday, um, and I work with the Log Cabin Republicans, who's an LGBT group. And, of course, I, I, 
I, I, I'm associated with um, working with Republican voters. Um, when it comes to being a Muslim, I actually, I haven't gone a deep, done a deep dive into religion. Um, I'm studying religions right now for fun, but um, I, I know that um, having um, two, living with two Muslims before in my, in my life, um, they actually converted me because they taught, of course, they taught me a little bit about the Quran. And I, I think I associate myself with being um, a Muslim. You're very upfront that you've experienced homelessness yourself. What was your experience and what helped you exit homelessness? So, uh, yeah, I was homeless because of financial troubles and family troubles and just personal troubles in, uh, in general. Um, it was in 2017. I was near, uh, we were living near the, we were Chinatown and obviously San Francisco has become very, very um, expensive. I moved out. My parents live in L.A. And I was here, like, living near the Tenderloin. And I've gone through... Uh, I took care of myself during homelessness pretty well, I would say, compared to other other people I've seen. Obviously, when you're out there, you're you're a product of the city. You have to um, maintain yourself, get some... get um, Save some money, get food, and... And I, I went through all of that. It was a very tough time for me emotionally and, and physically. Um, I was able to get out of that through my through uh, continuing school and being a tutor and then moving on with my career until I'm right here financially stable. You also highlight that you're the younger candidate in this race. How old are you? I'm 18. And how does that influence your campaign and your policies? Actually, in many ways, because being 18, I have... A longer future than a lot of these candidates, so I have to look farther into the future. That's why one of my biggest my slogan is a cleaner, safer San Francisco. Because when you when you have uh, jobs or people working to get litter off of the streets, that that litter is gonna be in the trash or the cycling bin instead of being in the oceans. When you have safer streets, like you put up a sign. That sign is going to stay there for over 20 years. You put up a stop sign, a slow sign, whether it's down the hill. So a lot of my camp, uh, my my agenda is actually preparing for the future, whether it's global warming, whether it's politics in San Francisco. So I have a lot more to look forward to. Yeah, let's talk about cleanliness because you call that one of your top priorities. You want to establish cleanup crews. And if I'm reading your site correctly, the cleanup crews of three employers can you explain that plan for cleanup crews in more detail? Yeah, I've seen cleanup crews work in so many ways. Uh, there's the downtown streets cleanup team that operate in actually three to five uh, workers. One carries a bag and uh, they have the equipment. Others carry a broom. And and I, I feel it's 10 times more effective working in groups because they check on each other. They make sure that none of them are um, being affected by other people and and in the end it's also a hum it's it's a human part of me to say that we're you're just not um you're not just not another person just picking up trash you're part of a team you're part of cleaning up San Francisco in this effort we're doing it in groups and they do it a lot faster when somebody has they have different equipment instead of just one person picking up picking up and uh, I've I've seen, I actually know a person who suffers from depression because they, uh, their job is so boring like that. And who would employ the cleanup crews? Who would employ? I, w I would continue to work with um, 
uh, third party like um, Civic Center Commons, um, the um, uh, just third party organizations that I've seen be effective in uh, either downtown and even um, in my district. Let's talk about housing. That's front of mind for almost every San Franciscan, I'm sure. Obviously, the housing crisis here is pretty extreme. One of your campaign promises to, is to build more than 1,000 units of affordable housing. And you write that you've seen many new safe spaces in the district that have the potential for hundreds of families to be living in them comfortably. Can you name a couple sites where you'd like to see affordable housing built? Sure. There's a um, site on Turk and Fillmore. There's a site on... Um, Actually, the Divisadero has has small spots that we can build in, and there's also in the in their sunset. There's actually um, uh, empty storefronts, empty housing that could potentially turn into affordable housing if we just change a teeny bit of of um, the housing there. Well, let's dig into that a little bit more because the sure. 2014 general plan for the city. Uh, The housing element includes a breakdown of how far along San Francisco was at that point in reaching its regional housing goals, which are, you know, set um, for for whole regions. And we built about 40 percent of the low income housing goal, just 16 percent of the moderate income goal and a whole 97 percent of the above moderate income goal. So with that in mind, for whom is affordable housing your top priority? Is it supportive housing for the formerly homeless? Is it middle income? Is it very low income? What's your top priority for affordable housing? Middle income. Those who are are living paycheck by paycheck, they're really looking for other options uh, on the less expensive side. They're looking to move to another affordable housing unit that is possibly a few hundred dollars less, and they can use that hundred dollars to by um, groceries. When it comes to the uh, low income, of course I would love to build housing for them. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm building housing anyways, but if they cannot afford it, I think we need to help them in other ways, such as uh, pensions or, or the services offered by city and county currently. And what form of housing would you prioritize? Rentals or owned units? Uh, rentals. You also say that you're fighting for the right to counsel for all San Francisco residents, so not just tenants facing evictions who are currently guaranteed legal representation by the city. Tell me more about the need for legal representation for other tenants as well. Sure. I'm, so the right to counsel for all would expand it from only tenants facing evictions to to broader um, uh, broader population. It could be merchants. Who are um, being facing? Who are facing um, eviction? It could be um, an issue in in your in your home when it, uh, if a, let's say a landlord um, puts extra fees on you and 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 or puts extra fees on on the apartment to all tenants, then there could be a, a collective fight to take away that fee using the right to counsel. So they would be defending themselves against. Against um, whether it's actually all, um, it could be any aspect as long as it qualifies. And I'm going to write the rules for that or I'm going to uh, write possibly the ballot measure um, on the next next um, on the next time we vote for, for ballot measures. And I'm, I'm going to write down all the rules for that. 
So I'm trying to get at the heart of what you mean by do, it has to be on the defensive side. So they, a tenant has to be defending themselves against some kind of yes, violation from a, the landlord? If, if there's a violation, then you could defend yourself using it. If there's a lawsuit against you, you could possibly use the free attorney to defend yourself against that too. I see. You also support providing benefits to tenants who um, need to defray the cost of their rentals. Can you elaborate on that? What kind of benefits would those be? Sure. Uh, it would probably just be cash benefits. Um, right now, City and County doesn't have anything to help um, struggling tenants um, in, in the terms of just giving money. So um, it would be a, a sort of a test to see who's low income. We do it with the CalFresh already, which is which is um, under the the county uh, control. So we could also use the CalFresh information to say you're living by paycheck, uh, paycheck by paycheck. You need a, l- a little boost. If you don't get this hundred dollars, you could be out of the house. So we could use that information to determine who could possibly benefit a little bit um, from from this program. You write that we have to require or encourage private developers and property owners to increase the supply of affordable housing. How would you accomplish that? Uh, increase uh, private? Requiring or encouraging private developers and property owners to increase the supply of affordable housing. Well, it's just uh, simple. Don't allow... Uh, so you said there's 96% of uh, how, uh, building housing for the higher income, correct? So... Um, Usually, you know what those look like. Those are usually condos or or building very tall um, buildings. So when um, I think it comes down to the planning committee um, that, hey, we don't want this this condo in District 5. We want to build affordable housing here. And, of course, I have my goal of trying to build uh, more units of affordable housing. And I'm going to make sure that the private sector or private builders uh, or developers don't build there. So this is about keeping them from building on certain sites? Or? Yes, okay. certain sites. I know there's... Um, so you're not talking about inclusionary housing? No, I'm not. And how would you restrict construction on those sites by Well, I actually work with, um, work with uh, developers, and I think it comes down to a compromise. We'll continue our conversation with District 5 Supervisor Candidate Ryan Lamb in a moment. You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. KSFP and the San Francisco Public Press are supported by listeners like you. Learn more about our membership program and join the public press at sfpublicpress.org slash donate. You can make a donation online or send a check to the San Francisco Public Press, 44 Page Street, Suite 504, San Francisco, California, 94102. Thank you, and thanks to the thousands of donors who have made our work possible for 10 years. This is KSFP-LP, San Francisco 102.5 FM. Welcome back to Civic. Let's hear more from District 5 Supervisor Candidate Ryan Lamb. You promise 
unequivocally to decrease homelessness during your term, how would you and your constituents know that you've succeeded in decreasing homelessness? Well, we, we would know from uh, the statistic uh, reports. We're going to do it the fr- right when we start in the middle of midterm and then uh, the four years. So um, would you like to ask me how I would like to do that? Obviously, yes. <laughs> okay. So um, the city and county has 700 um, homeless organizations, and many of which have a huge building and an executive director that gets paid 175 uh, thousand on average annually, and I just I just said um, I think that's super inefficient because because homelessness has gone up for about eight years, and I don't if you go to the tenderloin you don't see people passionately trying to help homeless people. I, I I've actually never seen um, people reach out to uh, homeless people in the tenderloin night or day, so I'm not sure where these 700 uh, organizations what they're doing. So I, I just plan to cut half of them. I'm going to try to cut half of them with uh, hopefully um, agreement with um, the other Board of Supervisors. And uh, I think Matt Haney proposed the homeless um, committee where there's going to be better oversight over funding um, when it comes to services. Yeah, the commission that he proposed for, yeah, for sorry, to oversee the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. Well, which half of those nonprofits would you cut ties with? Well, I have to. I'm going to have a team that tests it out to see who's effective. We're not going to tell them what, that we're testing them out, uh, but they're probably hearing this or hearing something I said before. Hopefully, they they uh, wake up and try actually try to help homeless uh, people. Well, I mean, more like well, how would you evaluate whether a nonprofit is effective in serving the homeless? Well, I think. There only needs to be a, a few resources for homeless people, whether it's a navigation center, an outreach center, finding homeless people, drug uh, men- and mental health help or assistance. So um, I'm going to label those, and I'm going to find the best ones, and I'm going to keep those ones and increase funding to those so that they can be more effective. And the other ones, I'm, I could keep them or I could cut their funding, and they would just be a lost cause. Wouldn't you have to work this out with the director of uh, the Department prob- of Homelessness? And I probably would, uh, and I would. I'm open to working with the entire um, commission too, because this is uh, one of my, actually one of my second priority is to decrease homelessness. So let's talk some more about navigation centers, which you just mentioned. You write on your site that this social service is one of the most effective methods to get the less fortunate transitioned into permanent housing. The public press published an analysis in 2017 showing that the majority oh. of ex- exits from the navigation centers were actually bus tickets out of town. And a Mission Local report earlier this year found about one in six clients transitioned to permanent housing from navigation centers. And even the city's data say that since their launch, navigation centers helped 46% of their guests end their experience of homelessness um, that's a significant percentage, but it is less than half. So what mm-hmm. information leads you to conclude that navigation centers are the very effective in transitioning clients into housing? So it would housing? be um, middle class, um, actually not the middle class, the people on the edge of homelessness or at risk. So um, those who are homeless for a couple of months, they go into a navigation center. They, they, they're still working, but they just need that period um, of housing and taking care of their families and get retransitioned back into into housing. That is the most effective 
uh, way a navigation center can help that um, demographic of people. When it comes to people who are, who've been homeless for five years and over, or actually, sorry, the statistic was two years and over, or had have uh, drug problems, it is actually not a, a good um, resource for homelessness. So it sounds like navigation centers should work, work in a more preventive way. Is that what you're suggesting? A more preventive and assistance um, uh, period of time, yeah. Although currently admission to a navigation centers is by referral only, so this yeah, is how encampments are resolved. On, um, the website, I believe, or, or make an appointment with the navigation center. So it sounds like you're proposing a pretty significant change to how navigation centers work. No, um, it would. Of course, we would definitely try to help as many as we can. But of course, um, navigation centers, I believe, uh, it ranges from. 200 to a little over that of people help uh, being helped. So I think it would be uh, great for people to apply for it or uh, or even be uh, assisted to, to it by other resources. You want to bring a navigation center to the Lower Haight. Where exactly and how would you make that happen? Sure. Uh, th- so there's a McDonald's that um, we've been trying to do, uh, work on and there's also a, a street that is not used. Um, it is, I believe, hate. I got to uh, go to my notebook. But um, definitely uh, uh, because I've been speaking to my constituents and I've been speaking to the people in the hate. And we wanted away from um, schools. We wanted away from senior centers and parks. And, and we wanted in a, a place a little more secluded where um, people can focus on improving themselves and uh, not near near kids. So I think the lower height is probably the best option in District 5 um, when it comes to a navigation center. There was a lot of pushback on a recent proposed navigation center on the Embarcadero. Embarcadero and yeah. um, I'm curious how you expect to allay the fears of residents in your district who might raise those same concerns in the height. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm definitely going to speak with uh, residents near the navigation center where it's going to be. Um, if it is a small concern, uh, if if there's a big concern that comes up, whether um, there's a school bus that passes by and drops students, uh, like uh, 20 students off right at that stop, that's something to consider. And uh, when it comes to navigation centers in that uh, Mayor Breed proposed, she wants a navigation center in every district. Yeah, um, I'm, that doesn't work because some districts are, are different from District 5. I think District 5 is right in the middle. We have a homelessness problem, and it, it's uh, spread across, not necessarily near the, near the sunset as much, but near downtown. So you don't think every district should have a navigation I, I, center? It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't work that way because there's some places where there's no homelessness at all. Like, like in the Embarcadero, which is which has tourists, which has a lot of activity going on, a lot of businesses. The traffic would just be uh, terrible, and there's there's so many reasons why. Uh, actually, I've watched the residents speak against the uh, navigation center at the Embarcadero, and, and I would agree that it wouldn't be the best place to put a navigation center. Why is that? Well, again, um, because it's so busy. There's, there's, um, there's tourists going in and out near the ferry building, near the, um, near, the, uh, near the ocean, and 
I think, uh, well, of course, I'm District 5, so I made my own own decision of where to place it. District 3 will probably, um, they're in desperate need of a navigation center, but probably not in the Embarcadero. So I'm curious why you have concerns about placing a navigation center near, say, like you said, schools or a bus Mm -hmm. stop where students are getting off the bus or near a senior center. What makes those places a bad place to put a navigation center near them? What problems do you foresee? I I don't have kids, but for the people living there, I can see they've told me and I can see their concern for their kids. Um, when it comes to having a navigation center near their schools or near their homes or near a senior center. I could see how parents could be a little concerned. Uh, Not to say that all homeless people are bad, not to say that homeless people are all all drug users, but from a residential uh, of my uh, my residents who who have said, here's a concern, I I take that um, very seriously. You write that District 5 needs a prominent mental health facility. What services would such a facility offer, and how would you establish it? I think we need, okay, so the services would include the mental health, um, uh, uh, people who help uh, with mental health, uh, drug use, um, uh, trying to end drug use and rehabilitation, and basically things that deal with mental health in general, um, people can walk in, and it's paid by the city and county of San Francisco, and it's hopefully it's near the navigation center too, so that they could work jointly. And do you have a site in mind for where this would be placed? Probably the lower height. Um, and how do you expect to win funding for a program like that? I would I would propose it first, and then and then I would see because. It, it's not only for the lower class to, to use this. Again, this is a, a public funded, so even students who um, are, unsa- are unsure about their school's um, resources, they could also check in with a person um, working at the mental health facility. Well, let's talk a little bit about your proposals for education. Um, you read that you recently started an organization to make standardized testing standard again, um, a revision of our, our testing system. Can you illustrate that a little bit? What about standardized testing is not standard right now, and how would you change that? Yes, so um, I started this project in 2016, or and then I, I stopped it for a while after 2018. We uh, I had a team, and we were just, we were trying to make... Um, questions random for all students and take out everything else, whether it's race, whether it's um, your last name, or it's just going to give you an ID and it would be sent off to the colleges. And uh, because right now the SAT, they I think they propose the thing where they check whether your school is in a bad neighborhood, a good neighborhood, whether it's rich. I That's just um, targeting. That's just targeting for... Um, for colleges to see, oh, uh, let's just take somebody from a more diverse uh, demographic. Let's just take a person from a lower income. So I just want to take everything out. It's how well you do on the test. And um, the test itself is also different from, it's it's randomized because a lot of these uh, richer, like you've seen with the college scandals, um, richer parents tend to pay for tutors, tend to pay for private help, and they tend to do a lot better than 
the average American. So it's going to be random so that it's just based on your knowledge, how much you know and how much you can figure out on the test. You also propose an increase in teacher pay. How would you determine which teachers need a raise and how would you find the funding for that? So um, when it comes to teachers, I'm at City College. I'm on the budget PGC, which we manage the budget for the entire City College. Sorry, what's the PG? What's a PGC? Uh, Participatory Governance um, Committee. Okay. And there's enrollment PGC, budget PGC, and um, we have faculty, staff, and administration there, and we determine the budget we have for City College for the next year. I see. So, um, and even on the ballot measure, there is, I, I um, advocate for yes on, I forget which proposition, but there's a proposition where we have, uh, we charge less for housing for teachers in particular. So, um, I am talking about Prop E? Prop E, I believe it, it is for education, correct? Uh, educational officers? Uh, my understanding is that this is a proposal to spur the production of affordable housing for yeah, educators. Produce. Yeah, yeah, it would uh, create uh, affordable housing, and it, I believe it would be discounted too. Okay, so how would you determine which teachers need a raise in San Francisco? Uh, I, I, I probably, as a supervisor, I probably wouldn't determine that. I'd hand it down to uh, somebody at deter- whatever school or even the Board of Education would probably determine that. You write that you specifically want to focus on the advancement of high school and college students' education uh, because those are critical years. What are your areas of concern for San Francisco's high school and college students? So um, that was tied into low-income families because a lot of them don't finish high school. A lot of them find it hard to um, even move on to a free city college. So um, I want to make sure that the well, it ties into whether it's homelessness programs or um, the the fee breaks that you can do in I believe in District Three, and also like uh, the the pensions you could get um, for low income families. So I want to make sure that students at least try to finish high school so that they can get a job and um, start earning money. The fifteen dollars could be a lot for a family. I'm going to ask you a little bit about policing, which is one of your issue areas. And you say you can make the compromise of working with the San Francisco Police Department despite some of the concerns that residents have about officer-involved shootings um, and racial profiling. And you want to ensure that police officers have time off specifically for racial training. And how would that be structured? Um, do, you, do you have a proposal for specifically how much time or how much, what kind of training you want to expand? Mm-hmm. So it would be approximately one to two weeks uh, for pr- police to uh, take some time off, reconsider. And the, the agenda would probably go back to uh, the San Francisco Police Department. But I would push for um, racial improvement, pretty much to stop discrimination uh, in law enforcement. And do you have a plan for doing that, stopping racial profiling? In yeah, w- it would be taking that week and make sure that um, they're, they're, they're taught certain strategies to follow protocol, and it would probably it would go back to uh, the San Francisco Police Department. 
He wrote that City Hall is single-handedly destroying the American dream of owning and growing a local business in San Francisco. And having a small to medium-sized business is simply becoming unsustainable, putting too much pressure on merchants and native San Franciscans. Can you explain how you think City Hall is destroying this opportunity and what you would do about it? Sure. So first of all, it would be affordability. Um, there's so many restrictions on um, where you can start a business even. You, you can't start a pub, I believe, like 500 feet from each other. But there still are, there still are um, pubs next to each other or bars. Uh, dispensaries have to, be, have to follow certain rules. And um, when it comes to City Hall, it's just um, there's so, much, so many taxes that affect uh, small businesses unintentionally. Um, like I went to buy a water bottle or during a lunch one time and I got I had to pay three different taxes and and it, it's just starting to get overwhelming for businesses because they have to pay the highest minimum wage in the United States, which is about uh, I believe fifteen fifteen or fifteen ten, and um, if they have a few um, on top of that they have to pay rent, and then if they have a few employees then they better be selling. 40 coffees an hour to maintain that. So it's been really hard for small businesses. And of course, I've worked with over 50 to speak about solutions. And um, I oppose um, operational increases in uh, prices because those from small business go down to the consumers, making San Francisco overall less affordable. I want to ask you about transit because before we run out of time here, um, San Francisco is very far from being on track to meet its Vision Zero goals. Vision Zero is an initiative started in 2014 to get to zero traffic deaths in San Francisco by 2024. And actually, if we follow current trends, um, we'll have more traffic deaths this year than we did in 2014 when this initiative started. What are some problem areas in District 5 and what are your top priorities for addressing them? So in District 5, uh, four of the five injuries, actually deaths, were from uh, older people uh, near senior centers. So that is a, that's a main uh, focus for me is having the right infrastructure and um, signs near senior centers, parks, schools, um, hilly areas, and just as, as much caution as we can get on the streets. So, um, so number one would ha- be having higher timers for um, senior centers. A friend higher of, timers? Uh, the ti- the uh, timers it would be a little bit increased a little uh, a few more seconds. You mean on crosswalks? Sen- yeah, for, cr- for crosswalks near um, senior centers. Or we can have uh, crossing guards. We can hire crossing guards. We've done that in the past. Uh, and that creates jobs, too, for uh, people seeking jobs at uh, public works. Or- Is there anything that you want to talk about that's in your platform that I didn't give you a chance to bring up? If you have any questions, visit my website at ryanlamsf.com. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for sitting down with me. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. That was Ryan Lamb, currently running for the District 5 Supervisor seat. You've been listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. I'm Laura Wenis. <laughs>